It's summer 2023. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, devastating wildfires in Rhodes, Sicily, Greece and Algeria, devastating flooding in India and Korea, new study finds concerns about the AMOC, Antarctic sea ice at record low levels, Mediterranean Sea hits highest ever temperature, in Florida ocean temperatures hit 38 degrees, and in Ireland Leo Varadkar wants to build more roads. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your Irish climate news podcast. We are officially on a break for the summer, but after the past couple of weeks of extreme climate-induced weather, we decided to get together to chat through the latest climate news. So I'm joined by the usual climate team, Kira Daly and Anna Pringle, and delighted to be joined by regular contributor Tom Spencer as well. Woo. <coughs> uh, really, really lovely to see you. We're recording this on a Friday evening. Normally it's an early morning record. It's an evening record. Uh, half of the people here have had a nice Friday evening drink as well. Um, what? Half? <laughs> Uh, I'm in the wrong half of that. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the lack of uh, alcohol, Anna, how are you keeping? Oh, Dara, I tell you, what a week it's been. Um, grand. I'll, I'll just start with grand. We can get into it more in a, in a bit. But I'm glad we're talking because I think even though we're supposed to be on a break, it, I think we all felt at the same time, we need to talk about all this that's going on. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I think I might preface this episode that this i think for me is a chance to process everything that's going on personally and hopefully people who are listening get something out of it as well um kira how are you keeping i'm okay (laughs) i actually am okay (laughs) i've been having a great break from the climate alarm clock putting my head in the sand so i'm actually doing all right come back to me after the episode and then you can have a real answer from me okay great great uh tom how are you keeping I'm the same as you. Uh, I, I think general climate anxiety anyway. Uh, I certainly did have to have a drink after doing a few hours of pretty dedicated research before this record. Um, there's so much going on. So yeah, getting the opportunity to talk about it out in the open, I think will be will be really good. And I hope for people listening at home as well, this is kind of a an opportunity to hear some different vo- views on this and, and try and get it out in the open. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think... Yeah. Yeah, being being totally honest, I would say my climate anxiety this week is probably the worst it's been since before doing the Masters. Uh, probably the worst it's been in a few years. I think just, um, yeah, really, really hit me, hit me really, really hard. Um, I was meant to be going on a first date with someone I met online there on Wednesday and I got to the train station and I just turned around and came home because I just couldn't uh <laughs> inflicted on them. <laughs> yeah, my head just wasn't in a good enough in a good enough place. I was too kind of preoccupied and stuff. So uh so yeah, call call that off. And then I ended up doing actually I ended up listening back to the COVID alarm clock. <laughs> I never listened to any of our podcasts back all that much. Listen back to the COVID alarm clock and heard myself from a couple of years ago, you know, basically saying like all this stuff is going to happen. And I think Tom, before we came on, you mentioned it like nothing that's happening now. There's no new information. It's all stuff that we that we knew was coming. But I suppose just kind of seeing it, seeing it play out um, does. So what was it, Dara, that make that 
amped up? Given that, what was it that amped up your anxiety then? I think, uh, you know, probably a bit too much doom scrolling. <laughs> mm. uh, there was one day I was on Twitter and it was like it was like the start of a disaster movie. You know, seeing the fires in the Mediterranean, seeing crazy floods um, all over the place, seeing storms, seeing tornadoes. Um, and just, yeah, I think just seeing all of that uh, together. Um, and then I suppose the, the, you know, seeing it, seeing it on the news, which is really good. But I think, you know, we get, I get used to things not being on the news. And then when it yeah. actually is on the news, then you're like, oh, this actually isn't, <laughs> this isn't in my head. This is, this is a real thing. And then also probably having in the back of my head, it is on the news now. And then the journalists are going to forget about it again uh, in a few days. And, you know, and knowing that this could be the, the time that it's different and the people start paying attention, but it's probably not going to be. And I think that's played out already. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not headline news anymore. So mm. that's why it's so important to talk about it is because an increasing number of people are constantly coming to this and whether their response is to bury their head in the sand, which is a valid response. This is a really scary and big thing, but you know, the ostrich that buries its head in the sand, the rest of it's still exposed to the problem. Yeah, That problem is still there, even if we want to ignore it. And the more people that are coming to it, you know, we still don't really talk about the emotional response to this or the mental health side, that that mm -hmm. climate anxiety is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger with delay. And I think people need to feel like they can talk about it and let it out because the more you keep it in, the bigger it gets as a problem for you. And collectively, we can find comfort or find action. And I think it's really important, you know, it's really brave and important that you're talking about it because you're not alone. And I think other people will find solace in the fact that you did that. And there might be other people that are in the same boat as you, you know, going about their daily life, something as optimistic, maybe, and stressful as a first date, that, you know, that can be overwhelmed by by these bigger things that feel really difficult and you know, not easy to escape and like maybe you can't have much control over them. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, mean, I think that sorry, go ahead, Dara. I think the other thing is when when something like this happens and there's loads of extreme weather, I think everyone in the climate movement has that same paralyzing fear around the same time. Whereas normally in the sort of normal-ish times, people in your climate circles are in different parts of that kind of cycle of, you know, fear, despair, anxiety, hope, anger, and you can kind of find people to latch onto and pull you out of that kind of anxiety. But but when something now we're all just in the middle, yeah, exactly, like in a huddle, exactly, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's and I think that's another thing that makes it makes weeks like this uh, challenging. But it's it's just the sheer. It's, it feels like, or it felt like, the whole planet is on fire. You know, or at least the whole northern hemisphere. I think in the, in the in recent weeks, in one way or another. And then on top of that, you have the ocean being at its hottest. Then the North Atlantic marine heat wave is continuing. You've got. Antarctic sea ice in the depths of winter not coming back the way it should come back. So you've just got so many different things going on. And those are two more worrying things than than wildfires in Greece, actually. Um, but I think the for me, one of the sort of fascinating and s sad things about 
the, the Mediterranean in particular was the fact that we really only cared about the places where there were people on holidays. You know, so for the first couple of weeks, it was all about Mediterranean, European heat waves. I'm looking at going, lads, can you see Tunisia? Can you see Algeria here? They yeah. are baking. Can you see Libya where people are living in camps and it is baking? And only in the only then towards the end, I think about 10 firefighters died in Algeria and there was a mention of that, but that was almost the first mention. Well, there was th- um, 34, at least 34 people dead from the fires in Algeria. Yeah, that was the day after, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, there's a, there's a part of me that it was, sort of had the doom scrolling thing, but then also just, I don't know, rage at our privilege about it yeah. as well. I mean, some of the accounts from people who were on holidays and like there was one that I read where they were flown out and right enough, they shouldn't have been flown out to roads on the Saturday night. They got in and they had to stay in a refuge. They weren't allowed to go to their hotel. And the refuge, just the standards were just not good enough. There wasn't mm-hmm. water and there wasn't food in the refuge. And then they went, and, you know, they could have given us an option of a different hotel, but they didn't. <laughs> and I'm looking at them going, oh my God, like, check your fucking privilege here. You're on holidays on an mm. island that is burning. And all you care about is the facilities and the Greek people are giving you free food and drink and trying to do their best to take care of you. And while their island burns... And all we care about is holidaymakers. Yeah. It, it mm. just blows my mind. Yeah. Going back to the the sort of climate anxiety, there was a, a brilliant piece. Uh, hopefully a lot of people have read it, but if anyone is suffering with climate anxiety or is only starting to put a label to it, um, Peter Kalmus is a, is a climate scientist who works for NASA. He has been an incredible voice yeah. amongst many other brilliant researchers. But he put a piece in The Guardian this week and he said, I've dreaded this depth of earth breakdown for almost two decades. And like many of my colleagues, I've been trying to warn you. I tried as hard as I could. Now it's here. Yeah. And I think for anyone who's been at the forefront, I saw Hannah Daly from Cork recently put out a post on Twitter and she was saying, you know, these are people that have dedicated their lives to looking at this, trying to understand the patterns and have, they have seen what's what's coming and have tried to do their best. And, you know, it's really coming home to roost for, for all of us now. And as you say, it's it's coming home to roost in the global north where, you know, the global south isn't responsible for the vast yep. majority of emissions, but has already been reaping the worst outcomes of it for, for decades at this point. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's good to hear everyone else is in the same state of mind as I am. <laughs> well, Thomas, <laughs> I am not in the same state as any of you three. I oh, am going to make a confession. Um, so I should be embarrassed to say this, considering that I am literally on a podcast about climate news, but I have not been paying attention to the news the last few months and I'm not embarrassed about it um I'm looking at you Anna saying like and I can feel like the anger in your like what you're saying and I'm like I'm really in a weird way happy to see that because that's such a a, I think a better place to be than where kind of maybe Dara is at the minute oh thanks Kira that's just (laughs) just what I needed to hear great yeah I feel like like it's a more useful emotion because like you know for the last few years of doing this podcast it's been a a bit of a journey for me I suppose for lack of a better term and I mean you guys have literally watched me like realise the severity of the climate crisis in real time like Mm. it's happened on this podcast it's happened on these Zoom calls and you guys 
have been, you know, you've answered so many of the questions that I have had about it with such patience and like such just like kindness as well, I suppose. And I mean, I really only got involved with this project when I got involved with it. A, I didn't really know an awful lot about it. And B, I kind of just got involved with it for selfish reasons of like, it just kind of made me feel like I would be doing something. And I suppose it also was the fact that Derry are my friend and you'd asked me to help out with a couple of things. And I just kind of felt like I had to stop saying no. But, <laughs> but I, you know, so I've just kind of had so many emotions over the last two years of being involved with this project. And I run, like I run a marketing agency. So at one point I remember sitting in my office and texting you, Dara, being like, oh my God, I need to close down my business because I'm just promoting consumerism. And I was like, you know, I was really having this kind of, what am I going to do with my life moment? And I was really serious. Like I was really upset about it. But I suppose during that time then, or like this whole entire process of getting more involved with it, I've also just kind of had a lot of personal lessons. Like it's really easy. And I, I really learned this lesson from COVID. It's really easy to give into that feeling of like the doom and the gloom and just feel like, you know, the more you scroll, the more you're kind of almost, you know, because you're more knowledgeable about it, it means you care more. Um, and then it kind of eggs on that feeling like you just need to start screaming to like make people listen. And like to some degree you do kind of need to start screaming I'll circle back to that I suppose in a minute but like now my 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 frame of mind I suppose it's just more like give yourself a break like it's yeah we did that episode with John Gibbons and he was okay so I'm not as I wouldn't go as far as what he said where he said um you just have to assume like you're dead. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say that's what I'm doing right that's now. That's not but... exactly what he said, but I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, my thing right now is like, there's no point wasting my energy on freaking out. Where I am right now, that's not to say I won't later, but right now I'm just saying like, just do your best. Just like stay enthusiastic that like change is possible because right now I don't have the energy to be overwhelmed and upset I don't have the energy to be angry and I suppose I'm actually just okay with that right now because I know it doesn't mean that I don't care it's like I guess I'm just kind of giving myself a chance to boost my energy um yeah it's self-care yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you have to absolutely. do you have to do that because we all I think what I'm taking from what you're saying, Kira, is that it comes in waves for all of us. And I think that's what yeah. Dara was saying yeah, earlier as well, that, you know, you have moments where you feel fired up and energetic and other moments where it's like doom and gloom. Um, and you have to find ways to manage that yeah, and, exactly. yeah, and, and, th and to stay with it, you know, yeah, so. And I think, yeah. I think what you said there, Tom, about, you know, climate anxiety is going to become a bigger issue. I think that's something that really hit me in, in the last while is that, Greta said something there during the week about, you know, what's happening now isn't like this isn't the new normal. Mm. Like things are going to get worse and they're going to get worse and they're, just, they're going to get worse. So actually, like, it's not a case of, oh, I've seen this terrible weather this year and now like I've accepted that and I'll be prepared for that next year. There's going to be something else, you know, yeah. next year or the year after. Yeah. And it's about so it's really about like being prepared for that constant for that constant change. Um and and yeah and absolutely Kira like definitely definitely giving yourself a break um for sure but um, can I ask you Kira though you really interested in what you're just saying and also trying to figure out when you said you haven't been listening to the news 
I mean, so did you hear about the wildfires? Did you hear about the Mediterranean heat wave? I mean, how? And I'm not being critical of you if you didn't. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand. You know, how many people are out there where that's just not even registering for them? Yeah. So, okay. It's not that I haven't been paying attention to it, but I suppose I liken it to when COVID came along. I remember I sat, I remember those first two or three days I kept, I just sat there and I just kept scrolling on Twitter looking for the first day that somebody, the first death in Ireland. And I don't know why I was doing that. Like, what was I going to do with that information? I was just like consumed by it. So I suppose like obviously I've seen these headlines. I haven't totally checked out. But um, yeah, I just I didn't allow myself to descend into that like thought sequence of like what the consequences like, you know, how what this really all means. I just kind of I just Mm. was like, oh, this is this is really shit. And then I just went back to doing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you just kind of took it at face value as a news item and didn't, and didn't kind of, you know, yeah, t- tack it onto your kind of existing but like, knowledge of that's, that's something I think that I've taught myself to do because yeah. I, I, I remember making the conscious decision. There was one thing, I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was about the IFA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything about food, I'm going to get into it. But I was like, no, like, don't. Do you know what it is? I have a holiday coming up next week from work. So I was like, I just have to get through my work. I was like, you, I, I'm going to solve the climate crisis after my holiday. And I think that's fine. <laughs> Great. That's yeah, the unfairness yeah. of the timeline is that, like, obviously we're, what, 60 years since mm. since the first opportunities to do something about this. If If anyone had intervened at any point, we would have that freedom, like like you're saying with COVID, we'd have that freedom just to take a break when we needed it, to have that breath. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I used to I used to sort of feel quite overwhelmed by that negative emotion. And I actually it took me a while to realize negative emotion is actually really valuable. I felt angry because I didn't know what to do or because yeah. I didn't feel I could do anything. And I realized that anger could also be like a rocket fuel. You, it can propel yeah. you in the right direction and sustain you and keep you going. You don't want to let it blow up on the launch pad. <laughs> that's that's not healthy or or positive but it, it is that unfairness I, and i think that's the thing i really empathize with with younger people particularly is they haven't even got the vote many of them yeah. like they yeah. they can't even be engaged in that way because they're not allowed to be so like the level of anger or frustration or sadness or anxiety for them like god like that, that's not to undermine everyone's right to switch off because we need to and you have yeah. to find that yeah, yeah. balance to self-sustain yeah absolutely um, and I agree, Anna, as well with what you said there a while back about, you know, it wasn't so much the wildfires that got me so much as the Antarctic sea ice um, being at a record low. And then that news about the the AMOC or the AMOC, the, the yeah. current in the Atlantic, could collapse as early as 2025 um, with a sort of central estimate uh, that it might happen around 2050. And that's sort of a... You know, uh, a bit of a contested uh, publication and lots of thoughts and opinions coming out of it, but uh, it certainly seems that what the IPCC have been saying about it, that it was unlikely to collapse this century, that that might have been a bit overly optimistic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, for me, that that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back because that's just like, if, you know, if, if, if and when that happens, um, you know, it just all, all bets are off it feels like yeah, I wonder would this have been sorry go on Anna no go ahead Kira. well I was just going to say I wonder is it like 
because you know you're all we started off there and you were kind of saying Dara like it feels like everyone in the climate circle is um kind of going through the same thing but really when we listen to it we're actually all in very different minds I think I wonder is it anything to do with the fact that maybe we had been not recording these last few weeks that we're all kind of like we're obviously not in touch as much as we usually would be. I wonder, does that kind of have that anything to do with your feeling of like that everyone was kind of well? No, a lot of I know a lot of people I've been talking to in the last couple of weeks have just been like very, very, very um, yeah, very overwhelmed. Then, with the pace of uh, it, it, it yeah. it's gone from this very sort of you know um, you know I, I've been lucky enough to be a contributor on several occasions, but I otherwise just listen to ye. And it's kind of nice that every week it feels like here's the two or three things that we need to deal with. And there's, there's another 20, 50 that could also be picked mm-hmm. up, but these are the big ones. And that feels nice because it breaks it down and makes it more manageable. But it's the level in the last fortnight, not even the last month, that has just been... Oh. <laughs> but it's, it's here. It's now mm-hmm. inescapable. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, depending on your level of media consumption or social media consumption that then gets mirrored by political denial political inaction or or climate denial by commentators or people online yeah. it, it if you're engaging in in that level and maybe that's very unhealthy then it becomes this big inescapable thing that you sort of go shit this is this yeah. is accelerated yeah. so well, much I mean, faster it just sure. seems like it just seems like july uh, just a lot of things came together in July yeah. with all of the heat records and everything. And, and I think that's what made us go, whoa, can we just talk about this? Because yeah. like, even my husband, who normally you know brushes me off when I'm dooming and glooming, he, 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 even Dennis was like, it feels like a lot is happening now. You know, yeah, and it feels I- like things have all of a sudden... And there's a lot of scientists that, and I'm, you're right, Kieran, maybe we shouldn't follow them, but there's a lot of scientists that are people like Peter Kalmus and whoever, and people who have been less um, bulchy than him along the way, actually, who are saying, so shit's just got real. Yeah. You know, and I'll, yeah. I'll, they are very, very worried. Mm. Climate scientists are worried. And they're not worried because any of this was unexpected. I think they're worried because all of this was kind of projected to happen, but it's, the, pa- the happening is the pace yeah. and the extreme that's happening, yeah. and also what they're starting to say is that there are consequences that are coming with it that maybe weren't anticipated in the models or weren't anticipated to happen so soon. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like in terms of obviously, we've all seen the extreme weather. I think one of the things that stands out to me is that you know it's the hottest July ever. Um, 21 of the so we're recording this on the 28th of july so we're only 28 days into july 21 of the hottest days ever recorded have happened in july of this year so 21 of the last 28 days have been the hottest days ever recorded um which you know in terms of the in terms of the pace of change as you say anna um like that is just unbelievable and incredible and i think what you mentioned there about your about dennis um you know being aware of it i found that as well you know people who aren't normally aware of climate stuff being aware of it and i also find that a bit disconcerting because you know you have some people in your life who like like they're they're your escapism you know it's like (laughs) and even though obviously you want them to learn and you want them to move on it's still a shock to your system when when they get to that point and it does just make it a bit more real for you and i think the other thing then that has scared me or that has 
angered me or whatever, maybe more so than the weather, is is kind of the the response yeah. and the reaction by by kind of people 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 in power. Um, I think that's you know. I, and the denial, you know, you think like now yeah. it's 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 right in front of our faces. It's so obvious. It's so clear. Like surely the deniers are going to fall away at some stage, and they're not. They're doubling no. down, um, and that 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 was something I you know I knew all the climate stuff's going to happen. I knew we we're going to see extreme weather. I knew, you know, maybe come faster, but I knew it's going to come. But the increase in in the in the kind of deniers just you know like it's it's undeniable but they just carry on they double down and i f- i find that really hard to take as well mm. yeah i mean i mean there's our leaders and then there's a lot of people saying things like oh it's just weather blah but i mean i think the the you mentioned it earlier the Taoiseach and his oh we need more roads yeah. comment yeah so i i, I mean, mean i think that's the what an example of Orwellian doublespeak. I mean, seriously. Yeah. You so know, it's like here's yeah. a rail review. This says we need more roads. Yeah. I mean, so I guess yeah, to, to to sort of fill to fill to fill listeners in on that in case that's something that they haven't uh, heard about, and then we can maybe discuss that and yeah. and discuss the kind of uh, political um, side of all of this. First of all, the Climate Change Advisory Council came out and said Ireland will not meet its carbon budget targets um, for 2025 and 2030 unless urgent action is taken immediately. That's something we already knew. That's something that, um, you know, it's good to hear the Climate Change Advisory Council say it. Heard almost nothing from Leo Varadkar about that, and that's a bugbear of mine that the climate action plan is in the department of the Taoiseach and there's no accountability coming from, from the media. There's no asking him. He should be asked about climate change every single time he's interviewed. Every yep. single time. Just like when COVID was going on, whatever the topic of discussion, you ask them about COVID because it's a big issue. Climate's the same. Um, and then kind of to compound that, uh, an All-Ireland Rail Review was announced with it plans to increase rail um, the rail network by 2050 and Leo Varadkar then said that this is a good opportunity to build more roads. So he said, you know, the programme for government said there should be a two, one, two to one split in favour of public transport over roads. So basically if we're spending more on rail, that means we've more to spend on roads. Um, he said the case for further investment in roads is really strong. Um, and it's, Leo's mad for road. And yeah. that is pure electioneering, you know. But it's, it is. Yeah, it's 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 like it's. it's Guys, you're pulling me out of my ambo cafe. <laughs> <laughs> it's Have just, a glass of wine there, but it's just it's just that's just bore, it's just borderline denial. I don't think he understands it. I don't think he understands climate change. Oh, he or understands he do- it. He understands it. I don't that think is, he does. That, How no, could you does. be such an asshole? No, no, that comment is all about like, don't worry, lads. There'll be roads coming to your constituency. There's an election coming up in the I don't year. think so. I don't no, think anyone's that much is. of a prick. No, oh, be so naive. Of course he, of course he understands it. <laughs> wow. Uh, totally. But there's also this. Go on. There's this sort of hard and soft denial, you know, like on on the front of it, you can go, right, there's the hard denial. There's the sort of array review and you're talking about roads. 
But the soft denial, the one that I think is sort of perhaps more Machiavellian is we're still talking about 2050. The rate that we're going right yeah. now, 2050 is a death sentence. We we don't yeah. have time to waste. Yeah. We don't have the carbon budget to talk about 2050. We barely have the carbon budget to talk about 2030. So like this, the softer stuff that is more easily swept under the carpet because he's making an absolutely stupid statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that softer stuff is still really impactful because I think there's this idea and like it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about in the introduction. And I think like Kira's talked about it really well, which is how do you balance the sort of near term with the far term? You have to sustain yourself here, but also you have to put systems in place where you're going to have a long-term future. And this idea of keeping talking about, oh, we'll do something by 2050, yeah. which we all know will be 2060, 2070 yeah. by the time it actually gets done. Yeah, And you listen to that rail review. I mean, it actually had a spur going into Donegal, a rail railway line from Derry to Donegal. And everybody in Donegal is like, Pfft. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's never going to happen. But, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's a review. It's a plan. It's like, it's not even a thing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's a very Irish thing. But yeah, I I suppose that the thing for me, you know, when I said that I don't think he understands it, is like, I and I might put through, I might get some TD to put through a parliamentary question. Like, how much time in a given week does he spend on climate? Like, how much time, and this applies to every politician, how much time a week do they spend on climate work? How much time a week or a month or a year do they spend actually being like, you know, this is complicated, I'm going to take time to understand this. Like, if you went into a press conference with with the Taoiseach or any TD and said, right, you have two minutes there, tell us what you know about climate change. What would they say? Like, they haven't. I really think that they don't understand it. Like, I really think they don't, and because they're never held to account in it. Like, you never hear them asked about it. You never hear them having to explain anything. Um, mm. I genuinely think, like, like they know, they know the phrases. Oh, it's an existential threat. It's the biggest crisis of our time. But ask them to get into the nuts and bolts of it. They haven't got a clue. I really, I really don't think the vast majority. I think the vast majority really, really do not actually understand it yeah some of them do but some, not oh no, some of them it, do yeah yeah but, but nobody is coming into their constituency offices and asking them about it you know but, so they, every so often there's no but seriously there's every so often there's letter letter campaigns or whatever that's fine but nobody is stopping them on the street yeah. or going into their offices and saying what are you doing yeah, about but, this uh, but, and but the, until that happens no, they don't have to care I, about it i though. disagree I I disagree. That is such a cop out. Like, imagine if COVID. No, I'm not no, ma- no, 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 sorry, no, no, I'm not making no, excuses no, for them. No, I'm just no, saying no, that's but, a fact. But, yeah, no, but that's what they say, and that is a cop out. Like, imagine, imagine if that's what happened with COVID. Imagine like there's people dying in the hospitals, but you know, oh, like nobody, nobody, sure, nobody said anything. Nobody want, nobody wanted to do anything. Like, it, this is a crisis. It's an emergency, and they need to be showing leadership, and they need to be explaining it. Um, I agree they need to be showing leadership, but I'm telling you that for a lot well, of them, until they are hearing it on the doorsteps and in their constituency offices, they will not do that. And we have local elections coming up next year. So you talk about opportunities to get involved or, or do something. We have local elections coming up next year. That is an opportunity to be hammering them on the doorsteps yeah. on yeah. this. You've got a general election coming up not long after that again another opportunity um and that is what gets them focused so that's the time to really be bringing this up 
constantly with your local representatives. Kira, I know you're good at that. So yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I th- yeah, I I there was a, a maybe we can get into the the media stuff. There was uh, Pat Leahy from the Irish Times had a really really good article. Uh, last Saturday, he wouldn't be someone I'd often praise. Uh, it was no. called "Politicians Know It's Getting Hotter, Wetter, and Wilder. Why aren't they preparing?" And it was really good mm. talking about the need for Ireland to adapt and the fact that politicians are, you know, really not doing what they should be doing. And then he was the one that wrote the article about Leo Varadkar's comments on roads. With no, he didn't mm. mention climate change at all. The only time climate change was mentioned was when he had name and Ryan quote that basically yeah. turned the argument, in, the article into this like both sides thing yeah. of you know, well, Eamon Ryan says climate change is important, and Leo Varadkar says roads are important, and just totally devoid of facts. So, the answer to that article, why aren't they preparing? It's because it's because you journalists aren't holding them to account. Is a Party, big yeah. big part of it. A big part of it. Um, Anyways, there's there's a rant. We, we're low low on the rants there, so there's one. Um, I had a I had a small rant on the on the media side of things too, which I'll I'll try and keep brief. But it's um, I I think it's been such a telling time, and I think you've hit on something there, which is is it is it a lack of understanding or is it a lack of compassion and and caring? I just looked it up while while we were chatting. There was a, a you might remember back in March there was a discussion where um, Finnegal said that they were getting more emails about transgender issues than the eviction ban, and it took two months for it to come out that that was an absolute lie. That there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of emails that came through about the eviction ban, and I think it was five that came through about any transgender issue. Probably but the media the went out. Yeah, and the media went out and the media reported this. There is this massive gap between media accountability, which is supporting a lack of political accountability. And like we only need to look at the last few weeks. The RTE gate situation has shown oh systemic failures in our national broadcaster, a public broadcaster that we pay for. But RTE is such a perfect example about how they're failing to report on the climate crisis. You know, you look at the business reporters who report on Ryanair, for example, they never mention emissions mm-hmm. but even this week we've seen a huge number of examples the um iconic media they own most of the local papers so like the limerick leader tip live that kind of thing they ran an ai article should refugees go home this was a huge hugely inflammatory article which showed a massive undermining of any journalistic ethics the undermining of journalistic talent that they had within the papers and that comes at the same time as you've seen the Irish independent platform, David Quinn, someone that you yeah. know who he is, you know what he's going to say. No one will take him on because he will go and try and sue people that do. Mm. So they platformed his climate denial. And we've already seen people like in the last, I think in the last week, it might have been two, but um, Porig Fogarty has been censored by the Irish Farmers Association. All of these things don't add up to a public debate. These are culture wars. These are things where we take particular issues, things that often have a fundamental scientific understanding or data that underpins them, and we turn them into you are on one side or you're on the other. And the media is kind of fundamental to that. I mean, one other example, I'll I'll cease the rant shortly, but one other example that I thought was quite apposite this week anyway was um, Julia Hartley Brewer, someone that makes a living from climate denial, was on holiday in Sicily. Yeah. Yeah, and she tweeted, Sicilians are taking the fires in their stride because they're used to them. Oh, Christ. (laughs) And meanwhile, there was a woman from Sicily who was tweeting, I don't know if you saw this, who 
she was a local who lived there and she was she she was saying we need help we haven't had power we in Catania mm. we haven't had power we haven't we you know we our water's turned off the fires are coming and there's no response from our national government there's nothing in the media and I was reading this going first of all I was like seriously is this credible because it sounded so extreme and it's mm. Sicily and then I was like looking into it and there's lots of Italian coverage and it's going, it actually is credible it's exactly what was happening while Julia Hartley Brewer is like going dismissing it um, for clicks, basically. Yeah. And you go, this is Sicily, you know, it's like, this is Europe. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, and the pictures of people driving through flames on highways. Wow. Oh, I mean, it was just, it was hell. It looked like an inferno. Um, and, and yet we could dismiss it so easily. On top of that then, GB News presenter Neil Oliver he did a spiel that was accusing broadcasters of driving fear and misreporting temperatures. And, um, you know, he's, he's dismissing the fact that there's supposedly terrifying temperatures and then cast doubt on how the weather is being measured and how the temperatures are being measured. And, you know, so he, but the, the scary part of that is, you know, okay, so we all know GB News, you know, you wouldn't pay any attention to them, except that that's been watched two million times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you hear you hear that thing of you know once once misinformation gets out there, it takes you have to yeah. hear, you have to hear the correct thing eight times or something like that. That that once, yeah, once, exactly. Once the stuff is out there, and I think that's yeah, that's what I was saying earlier about. I just can't believe how people are are doubling down with the denial, and it's also it is like in part like it's the vacuum caused by the media and the lack of political leadership. That just allows this thing of, you know, of other siding this debate of saying, oh, well, we don't really need to do, take this action. And what about the effects that this will have on such and such a person? And that's not the full debate. It's like, okay, we do have a choice. Like we can carry on as we are, but the consequences are going to be dire, you know? And that's the, and that's the part that's missing, that's missing from like, let's debate it. You know, maybe we don't want to have a livable future. Maybe we just want to carry on and have a cushy life for as long as, as that sustains like but let's let's have the real debate let's have a debate with all the information yeah. not this like cherry pick like yeah uh, i do feel a little bit like we're in a bubble in ireland because we have the we have the advantage of being on a small island on the in the north atlantic off the coast where we have benefited so much from having a temperate climate yeah. And we're kind of, right now, our, the main effects we're feeling is people going on holidays are too hot. Um, but we're kind of looking at it and our bubble hasn't burst yet, you know, and and, and I don't think it'll become real until until it does. But yeah, And we don't know how lucky we are. Yeah, and we yeah, still, you know, I, yeah. and we still go. Oh, yeah, it's not a great summer here. And well, I'd rather this than forty degrees yeah, every day. Abso- Thanks absolutely, very much. Absolutely. Um, I think. Yeah, I think the thing. I think the caveat for that, with that for me, is the food. You know, is the food yeah. situation is eighty percent of our food is imported. But so, we are so not not even conscious of that. Yeah, at yeah, all. I know, and that that comes back to you know huge lack of, you know, huge lack of of political leadership. Um, that we should, you know, in terms of making long term plans for climate, we should be making, uh, you know, a long term food sovereignty, food security plan. Um, and it's not it's not even it's not even being discussed i wonder i wonder is this maybe a a chance to to kind of sum up this this bit to have a listen to what antonio guterres has to say on um 
on everything we've been talking about and I suppose on the political leadership aspect of it. Humanity is in the hot seat. Today, the World Meteorological Organization and the European Commission's Copernicus Climate Change Service are releasing official data that confirms that July 2023 is set to be the hottest month ever recorded in human history. The consequences are clear and they are tragic. Children swept away by monsoon rains, families running from the flames, workers collapsing in scorching heat. And for scientists it is unequivocal. Humans are to blame. All this is entirely consistent with predictions and repeated warnings. The only surprise is the speed of the change. The era of global warming has ended, the era, the era of global boiling has arrived. The air is unbreathable, the heat is unbearable, and the level of fossil fuel profits and climate inaction is unacceptable. Yeah, so he's he's just so good. He's so he just makes everything so clear, um, and it's great to see that leadership. And he said he said the level of fossil fuel profit. He also said, uh, I think the same day, the level of fossil fuel profits and climate inaction is unacceptable. Leaders must lead. No more hesitancy. No more excuses. No more waiting for others to move first. There's simply no more time for that. Um, and here, here. So to wrap up, will we have a chat about uh, where we go from here, what kind of actions we're planning on, on doing or what, what we can do um, going forward? Or we could talk about the Orchie scandal. <laughs> <laughs> That's been talked about to death. Yeah, I know. When you see the amount of... Uh, we could talk about the All-Ireland final. <laughs> Yeah, by the time this, this comes out, let's go to the big issues, Dara. Let's stop wasting time on the small stuff. Um, um, okay, so my my mindset changed a little bit. My my decision that I was not going to freak out wavered a little bit, but I've come around to just being like, okay, I'm going to start walking into people's TDs offices. Can I go into TDs offices? You I'm can go indeed. to people's offices, anyone's office. I don't care if they work for the government. I'm going into offices and we'll start talking about climate change. Yep, in person. Um, I, th- yeah. I think I'm just going to keep doing whatever I'm doing. Just mm. hope it all works out. <laughs> so I think there's a, th- there's a few there's a few events actually coming up. So there's the there's the climate camp that Schliella yes, are running, which is in the northwest this year. Woohoo! In Leitrim, in Hamilton. Are you going, Anna? Yeah. I am. I'm going to get to some of it anyway. There's actually going to be a very good discussion there about data centers. um, Dating centers? (laughs) Yeah, Dara, you could come to that. Dating centers. (laughs) Um, Data centers and the role of data centers in hitting or missing our climate targets. So it's going to be a great event for people to get together and figure out how to work together on important issues and you know, give each other support and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's on from the 9th to the 13th of August. Yeah. August I'm, 9th to 13th, I'm yeah. I'm going to be there, I think, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, excellent. So am I. Yeah. Cool. Oh, great. I am also thinking about going. To confirm, just for people, save them a bit of reading. You don't have to pay to go to this camp. You can just go, no. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. They do ask you to register and we'll put the link in our show notes. But the only reason they ask that is just to get a sense for how many people are coming yeah. um, because they provide food and stuff. And they do ask you to volunteer a wee bit when you're there. But there's lots, there's a program of talks and events and all sorts of workshops and all sorts of things. Uh, and you can camp. It's in a big field outside Manor Hampton and you can camp if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't want to camp. <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> so it's only down the road from you, Kira. Don't be giving people my address. <laughs> there, is, you. there is also another conference um, that friend of the podcast, Owen Gallivan, I think is is um, part of the organising team. A new climate for psychology on the fifteenth of September. Uh, so it's a psychology mm. climate conference in Pierce Library in Dublin. Uh, so another date for the diary. Um, Great speakers there. Um, I just want to say that Owen Calvin is one of my heroes. I just <laughs> love listening <clears throat> to him talk about it. Yeah, and John she's, Gibbons, one of your other heroes, is going to yeah, be there. Actually, for that I have as well. a lot of heroes. Yeah. yeah, she says the same about you, Tom, when you're not here as well. Just so, just yeah, so you know, actually, Tom. Yeah, yeah I That's love Tom. I love all the people that come on our podcast. Um, well, that's funny. How many actually, glasses of wine have you had, Kira? Seriously, <laughs> I've had. Oh, it's it's in the bottles now, Anna. Uh, it's funny, I've actually. Drink, I've been drinking for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one thing I was I was thinking about you know when I, I was trying to think of actions that you know we could take and you know thinking of getting myself out of my out of the bit of funk of a funk that I was in and one thing is just like you know appreciating all the people like mm. in the movement who are trying and who are working and I think for me particularly you know Tom you mentioned it earlier you know the people who've, who've been doing it for years you know who've been doing it for long before long before I have, um, and they're still going. And however bad things are, without the amazing work of a lot of people, they will be even worse already, you know? Yeah. It's a bit like, I think it's maybe, you know, like the Titanic about to hit an iceberg and people are maybe frantically leaning to one side of the boat trying to get it to, <laughs> trying to get it to move, you know? And maybe they got it to move a little bit and the ship's going to sink a little bit slower. Um, but, you know, so many people, there's so many people out there doing such amazing work to you know to make them a little less bad and and we there's a lot of people to be grateful for um yep. you know or just i think the other thing for me was just to kind of look back on things that i had you know the things that we're all trying to do be the individual actions or the contacting politicians or putting this podcast out that you know to be to just like it's not enough um but it's something and it's something to be proud of and just you know kind of taking stock of of what what all of us, all of us have done, and that includes the people listening as well. That you know, everyone is doing stuff, and it's not easy, but but we're still going, and uh, and that's that's something to to be proud of and, and be happy about. I think. Can I, yeah? Can I just say as well that my sort of highlight of the week this week was the flying ants. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I was in Donegal and every year around this time we get a swarm of flying ants that just, they just swarm and they're gone. They don't do any harm. They're gone in a day or two, but I just thought, my God, that's still happening because, yeah. you know, that's at least that's still happening. I, that's another thing I was thinking is just appreciate all the stuff that's that's mm. around us. You know, there's, still, there's a few swifts around here at the moment. Yep. I think they're getting ready to go and they're amazing. Absolute yep. wonders of nature. Um, so great to watch, so great to hear screeching in the sky above you, and there is so much beauty 
out there still still to appreciate it. Um, so oh my god, I love this section. I want to add one because yesterday I was walking with the dog, and one of the roads up behind my house it's like all these fields, and one of the roads has been left to grow over. And I and myself and the dog went through it, and when we walked through it, the, one of the roads that's all overgrown, all these pheasants. Like loads, about 10 pheasants jumped out and then I looked into the field and there was all these little birds hopping over the grass and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. Your turn, Tom. Uh, 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 Anna, uh, we won't burst your uh, bubble about pheasants being yeah. invasive species, Kira. Okay. Weirdly enough, I went to I went to an academic conference and they were talking about the Wait, this is a highlight? An academic conference? nature, not yeah, school. No, it was, it was genuinely amazing. Um, the lecturer, Annetta, was talking about the importance of, um, she used the analogy of like, when you're in a city and you're running for a bus, you're oblivious to everything else going on. You could easily run out in front of a car. But if you're walking up a like slightly slippery mountain path, you have to think about every step. And like in thinking about every step, you're so much more present. And like the idea of, as we've talked about, and Kira talked about this really well, like the idea of sustaining yourself in that moment, that idea of self-care by being present, whether that's walking the dog with the pheasants or whether that's talking to a family member about why you're scared about the climate crisis or sharing the Peter Kalmus article with them. That idea of being in the moment, it might be really scary. It might be a little slippery underfoot at times, but um, it, it's going to lead you forward. It's going to push you forward. And, uh, you know, people get really overwhelmed by the idea of direct action. It doesn't have to be sitting in the road blocking traffic with just stop oil, although if that's what you want to do, Go for it. Go and do that. Fair play. But it can be, <laughs> but it can be like something smaller but more impactful because I think um, we often underestimate the impact that we can have on people around us and um, that people care about us and they might be more likely to share our fears or our hopes if we kind of share them. And yeah. to have that courage. I mean, so we haven't mentioned the big loss this week of Sinead O'Connor but mm -hmm. the courage if we any, we all had the courage that she had to stand up and say yes what she felt strongly about and you know to face down the booze and still go ahead and sing a protest song um, so I think if we all had an ounce of that courage yeah we would be doing very well absolutely and I think one thing that is is giving me a bit of hope at the moment is I think you know, people who you would class as maybe climate moderates, and I'd probably put myself in in that um, in that category, are realizing, you know, it's not enough. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of people kind of ready to ready to step up and ready to increase increase their their level of activity and and go more down the direct action route. And I feel, I feel there's a lot of people waiting. Um, for someone to kind of lead on that but i think there's a lot a lot of people ready ready for that and that's um that's something that's given. I think that's a really good point that i i have often slightly hoped that um that i've believed in some weird conspiracy theory that i have gone down a rabbit hole and gone yeah. oh if this is if none of this is yeah. true that would be such a relief and i think one of the nice things is the more the more moderates as you say are sort of coming out and going no no we need more and we need faster action um that's really reassuring it's scary too but it's it's reassuring that you're not some weird sort of crackpot who's lost it and gone off the deep end um and i guess more of us together hopefully we'll kind of achieve more I hope I hope and there's oh. lots of really good organisations doing really good work and it will ramp up 
coming up to the elections and that is an opportunity here in Ireland. Um, so we will put a link in the show notes to just, op- you know, various organisations you can think about joining or contributing to or whatever and you'll find great people there. Yeah. I love our podcast. And the, and then the <laughs> the last thing before we go then when, when we were do, when we were deciding to record this episode we actually were we were just going to put up a tweet and tag loads of people and say who wants to come on and have a chat and just have a just all get on maybe 10 or 15 or 20 of us on uh, on a Zoom I was going to call the call the meeting what the fuck are we going to do? Um, or the doom zoom <coughs> or the doom zoom but um <laughs> but that might be an option if if there are people listening there that that just we don't, we won't record it but just want to get on a zoom and just have a chat with with a, you know a few different people in in the climate space if there is interest in that then just send us a message on the podcast or we might get that going in a few weeks um just yeah just to get it out there and and have the chats i'm definitely feeling uh the benefit of having having done this podcast and gotten gotten some stuff out there anyways i feel like i'm gonna cry about the pheasants (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry i hate you (laughs) i I could see dara ramping up to say it if i didn't you know it's like (laughs) that's it for this week um, thanks very much Anna and Kira and Tom great great to chat to you thanks Dara thanks Emil um, and just before you go if you do like the podcast and want to contribute to the upkeep of it you can do that by buying us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm and if you're not already following us on our socials you can find us on twitter at the climate alarm and on facebook and instagram at climate alarm clock we'll be back in september ramping up to cop 28 um with with our regular with our regular season oh yay thanks bye 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 our podcast.